Hey folks, welcome to the House of Krauss. I'm Richard Krauss. You picked a good week to stop by. We have one guest, but what a guest. You know you love Jay Baruchel. Whether you're younger or maybe you're a parent, you know him as the voice of Hiccup and How to Train Your Dragon. If you watch the FX comedy series Man Seeking Woman, you know that he can be extremely funny. Perhaps you're a fan of the Goon movies and you're waiting until Goon, The Last of the Enforcers, comes out on St. Patrick's Day next year. Or you're a fan of Knocked Up, This Is The End, She's Out Of My League, Tropic Thunder, Maybe Million Dollar Baby, or The Trotsky, or I Could Go On and On and On. Jay's a great guy. He calls himself a chatty Kathy. You'll see why in a few minutes when you listen to this podcast. I had him in to the old House of Kraus to talk about his new film, something a little different for him. It is a documentary. Now, you know him as an actor. Maybe you know that he's all into video games. You certainly know him as a proud Canadian. That's something that he has talked about frequently. But did you also know that he's a huge sports fan? Now, he's a Montreal native, so he loves the Habs. But he's also a huge soccer fan, and he loves the Celtic. Now, Celtic Soul is a new documentary uh, all about the worship of Glasgow Celtic Football Club. And Jay and a friend of his, a guy called Owen O'Callaghan, travel to Ireland. They sort of poke around a little bit. They have uh, a, a good time there. They search for Jay's Irish roots. They continue on to Glasgow, and they really get to the heart of what it means to be a Celtic fan. And the interesting thing here is, as you're about to hear me say, I'm not a soccer fan. I'm not even particularly a big sports fan. But this movie, like so many other good sports movies, isn't just about the sport. And sure, you do see the sport being played. And they do some hurling, which is like the ancient predecessor to hockey. But more than that, they cut to the heart of why Glasgow's Celtic football team has really dug its heels in and embedded itself in the culture of the people who live there and the culture of a lot of people around the world who are fans. We're going to talk about all this in just a couple of minutes. Jay Baruchel was gracious, he's funny, he's smart, and uh, we talked for quite a while. Here's a listen. Let's talk about soccer, though, right, first. So let's start there. I'm going to tell you that I don't really know anything about soccer. I don't understand soccer. People tell me all the time, oh, man, you'd love it. You'd love it if you watch it. Imagine it's like a chess game come to life. And 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 it, it'll it'll in, it, you'll be enraptured by it if you just pay attention. I watch it and I don't get it. What is it for you that has drawn you in in such a big way? Um, that it's a very, uh, I think all the, the best games are uh, simple to learn and difficult to master. And uh, and I think soccer is a perfect example of that. It's, um, it's also the world's sport. It's a sport that all you need to learn how to play it is a ball. And so it opens up the world to the to this game everyone has a chance to to do something in soccer um also growing up watching hockey uh the two sports are cousins to me you know, each has a net with a goalie in front of it defenders and then forwards in front and you just right. try to get something in that net and so um 
Yeah, there's something incredibly uh, beautiful and ancient and, you know, it it satisfies a bunch of things. Uh, You know, it's just crazy to see feats of athleticism, but also um, there's something special in soccer. Like I said, the fact that it's played in every country in the world and that nine times out of ten in most of these places, uh, the people hang their, their... they live or die on the fate of these teams. Their identity is wrapped up That's within it. their love of their That's soccer exactly team in, right. in a good chunk of the world. Maybe not here as much, and, and certainly I don't think in the U.S. And part of what I've been told is that one of the reasons that soccer is a little harder to see mm-hmm. there, particularly because we, we do have broadcasts here, but mm-hmm. they're usually satellite, I guess, uh, is that there's no room for commercials. They play for 45 yeah. minutes, and then and, and that's the networks are like, we don't know what to do with that's this. That's right, and, and, and that's, again, another appeal of soccer is that it, it's not a... a whistle sport. It doesn't stop every three right. seconds. Like, the you know, last... You know, minute of a football game can take two hours. Yeah. Um, soccer just plays and has a nice flow to it. Um, but yeah, I, I I think over here, you know, there's more kids playing soccer uh, than playing hockey mm-hmm. in Canada. That's been a stat for a while. Um, and and I also think that those kids are growing up into they're, they're going to turn into grown ups. And every year, look, this is a beautiful multicultural country and. Most of the people that emigrate to Canada come from soccer countries. And so I, I think if you t- turn on the MLS, um, you'll see a quantum leap every every single season. In the past five years, I've seen the uh, North American soccer game uh, evolve into as good soccer as you can see anywhere. Do you think that soccer will one day replace hockey? Because I, I'm told that the the – Numbers are going down for hockey, in, well, as you just said, yeah. but they're going down for hockey, and as many kids aren't playing. Because, you know... It's expensive. It's one number thing. one, it's expensive. Um, uh, it's it, So it, it, a lot of people... I know how many kids I know had to, like, couldn't play hockey because right. their parents couldn't afford the equipment and couldn't afford the fees to be part of a team and all this other, this, that, and the other. Um, it also asks a lot of a body playing hockey <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and uh, and and I and not to say that soccer doesn't but it asks less and yeah. I think that you know you're uh, less worried about your kid's well-being if he's out on the soccer pitch maybe when did you find time because you always have 400 things on the go it <laughs> seems when did you find time to become a Glasgow Celtic fan. Oh, uh, and it's not I, the Celtics. Is yeah, it? I made the mistake. No, no, that's fine. You, um, everyone over here does. Uh, no, um, I I fell in love with Celtic uh, probably when I was like eighteen or nineteen, um, and uh, I caught a game on TV at the same time that I was playing this computer game, which is one of my great loves and still a great obsession of mine. Is this game called Football Manager? Uh, which is constantly the highest rated game on Steam, even though no <laughs> one out on this side of the Atlantic plays it. I've never heard of it. It's cited in divorce proceedings in the UK <laughs> constantly. It really, really is. Um, it's it's a way of life for lads in the United Kingdom. Um, and f- visiting my friend in university over there, I just got hooked on it. And so, and and basically, it's a entirely text-based simulator. You don't control a single player. You pick the team. You do the coaching. You yell at them. You pick the, the scouts and all that <laughs> stuff. But when they play, they just play and you watch them. And, um, and so I was playing that game. I think I saw um, 
one of Celtics' great strikers, Henrik Larsson, score a beautiful goal on TV. Um, I there was something in the jersey. Uh, I heard the songs on TV, saw the Shamrock, um, and then when I started doing a bit of research, it like it definitely piqued something in me. And all of the research into Celtic and why they were created and what their history is and what they mean to to their fans. I just got swept away. I got carried away. And um, and I think there's a lot of people that fall in love with the Habs later on in their life who aren't inundated with it. Right. And part of that is the romanticism and the history and the fact that the Habs transcend hockey and there's all these cultural, political, religious implications. Be- because the Habs are your other great love. That's it. <laughs> and And so I saw an analogy with Celtic that, again, this is another club that transcends the sport that they play and is more important than the league that they're part of. Tell me what some of that is then. Tell me what some of the history is. Tell me what uh, people will expect to see then if they go see Celtic Soul. Um, so Celtic uh, as a football club is a, is is kind of a, a cool, strange thing. It's started by uh, – it was started as a bit of charity by a Catholic church in Glasgow to accommodate this high volume of Irish immigrants that came over during the famine. And so you had all of these – uh, working class and uh, and below that uh, immigrants who came to to Glasgow, and um, they were all Catholics, and the church thought we could keep them out of trouble, and so Celtic was. It, you you cannot uh, dis, you you can't separate the loaf of bread from the soccer ball. Right. They they fed their uh, parishioners and they gave them a, a a ball to play with. That eventually. Uh, evolved into Glasgow Celtic Football Club. To this day, it has still a vital connection to that specific church. And uh, when you walk up to Paradise, uh, to, to Celtic Park, and you're in the front walkway there, one of the very first things you see is the word poverty uh, written on the front of the stadium. Um, helping poor people, lo- giving them something to look forward to, being a vital part of a working-class community that's never not been a part of Celtic. How many how many big stadiums can you go to in North America that have the word poverty mm-hmm. front and center in the front of it? So so that, that's what I mean. It, 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 it's more than just a soccer team. It's more than just they won last week. It's what it's meant. Um, yeah, like I said, it transcends sport and becomes cultural, political, religious, linguistic, all these things. And that's what I was saying to you before we, we turned the microphones on is one of the things I really loved about Celtic Soul is that as a non – soccer fan, I can watch this, and the story is universal. It's not just about the sport. There's some exciting sports stuff that happens in it, but it's not about the sport so much. It's about why the sport exists. It's about why people are drawn to it. It's about what makes the the culture of the, the Celtic enthusiasm yeah. so interesting. That's it. That's And, and I think that um, rabid live-or-die fandom uh, is something that is universal. I think yeah. that, you know, in this movie, it's about um, our love for Celtic, but I think that people can watch this movie and see their love for their favorite band or or their favorite comic book or whatever you did, whatever you're obsessed with, whatever uh, you use as mile markers in your life, however you reference, you know, a true fan, if you ask them a year, 
um, and what does that year mean to them? They'll bust out, oh, that's that that issue came out this year, or that's the record that came out this year, or that's that great Habs game. That, oh, I remember I was there. Mm-hmm. That. And, and that's something that's pretty special. And so absolutely, if you're a sports fan, you'll love the movie, but you do not need to be because it's, as I keep saying, it's about so much more than that. Um, so... So yeah, I and and I think the other thing is is that um, everyone here uh, in this country, the, for the most part, is from somewhere else originally, mm-hmm. and and I think Canada's a country made up of immigrants, and your family's background and your family's sort of origin story is very important because it's some it's your means of identifying yourself against the rest of the people you grow up with here. Man Seeking Woman is your other TV show That's that right. is out it's based on Simon Rich's book The Last Girlfriend on Earth, yeah. executive produced by Lauren Michaels. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a Broadway video jam. Yeah. yeah. And and is do you meet with Lauren? I oh I have. Oh yeah. yes, yes, yes. I I remember uh um I uh getting into a a, a fairly uh Robust uh, discussion with him uh, <laughs> about uh, about me uh, about where I lived in Canada versus uh, the states and right. Toronto versus New York and all that stuff. No, he's a he's a lovely man and um, he's been nothing but uh, kind uh, to me and uh, and has really been an um, amazing guardian of our show. Yeah, and the show's doing very well. Thanks. Yeah, I'm 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 real proud of it. We we like to call it our our pirate ship. You know, we we. We never thought we'd be able to do more than a pilot right. uh, because of, yeah, how unique it is. It, it's surreal. Yeah. It is a surreal story. There's monsters and all sorts of things all that sorts pop of up, stuff. but it's really funny. Though. Thank you. I agree. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, you know, I'm a, obviously a tad biased, but I think it's the funniest show on television. Um, all, all the same, we know what a big ask it is that it, you know, it's uh, not a multicam. Um, there's right. nobody. There's no real like. Let's be honest. I'm not like that famous, and uh, and and it's and it's super weird. And we go to some crazy <laughs> places, and so that's why we call it our pirate ship. Every every time that they tell us we can make more episodes, we're like, Jesus Christ, we're yeah. run, running a racket up here. And you shoot them around the corner from my house. Oh, that's yes, I, yes. I, I see you frequently. Yes, you sure. do. Yes, yep, you yep. do. Uh, it, interesting, though, you say I'm uh, not that famous. In the movie, in Celtic Soul, mm-hmm. uh, you're crossing on a ferry, <laughs> and you're like, ah, nobody cares. I'm here, nobody. And then this woman comes in, we don't get many Hollywood stars here, so it's really exciting to see you. And the look on your face, the reaction, I loved it. And, and part of that, too, part of what I was talking about with this movie is the enthusiasm uh, that comes through on everything. It felt real and it didn't feel to me uh, staged managed. For someone like you who has starred in big Hollywood films, who has a a successful television show, who is around, frequently there is someone saying, oh, you can't ask that. Oh, you can't. And you don't you don't seem to subscribe to that. Oh, no. I I think like it's it's, if nothing else, they just won't use the stuff they don't find palatable, <laughs> and I and I also like I. It's going to sound incredibly uh, hokey, but I I think authenticity is important, and so I think it's important for, <clears throat> especially in a documentary, uh, for the subjects to be themselves, yep. and uh, and and so, at the very least. 
we say some, you know, weird stuff <laughs> and that acts as a warm up and it gets us in the right place to to be comfortable and and to get that moment that they're looking for. But I but I I just, you know, the the my my recipe for onsets and 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 for this is the same as like I think everyone creates more if everyone's in a good mood. Mm-hmm. And and I think and not self-conscious and not sort of being too mannered. And so I think if you can be yourself that uh, that's half the job, and so yeah, so it just means that in my case, being myself means you know swearing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny uh, in the in the review that I wrote about this, I said sometimes it feels. And in the best way, like a really great home movie uh, <laughs> narrated awesome. Awesome. And, and hosted by two really enthusiastic people that you want to hang out with. Oh, wicked. Yeah. Good. That's what we hoped. We thought, you know, I, I, on the bare minimum, it'll be a nice bit of diversion. We yeah. think, like, if we can, you know, we're, we're, we're in some very beautiful parts of the world. The subject matter is interesting. And, you know... Owen and me got to just sort of stay out of the way. <laughs> well, so you mentioned Owen. Uh, Owen O'Callaghan is going to join us a little bit yep. later uh, to talk about it. But he's your 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 co-host, yep. your guide uh, towards all this. And you met him on Twitter. Yep. And so, yeah, because that's an unusual way, uh, I think, probably <laughs> to hook up and eventually make a film. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's uh, it's happened a few times, I'll be honest. I, um, yeah, um, I that's been like... One of the coolest things for me about, you know, social media, pretty much the only cool thing, to <laughs> be honest, is that I've I've gotten to become friends with some real cool people, people that I was uh, a fan of in my own right beforehand. Yeah, yeah. You know, the fact that, like, you know, I can uh, tweet at Clive Barker and he'll see it, that's, like, crazy to me, yeah. you know? So, so yeah, Owen and I, uh, um, we just started, we're just, we both have the gift of gab, we're both chatty Cathy's, and started talking, you know, I was a fan of him and liked the soccer journalism that he did and watched the TV show that he was a host on called Fox Soccer Report that they did here, and I would watch it every night, and he and I started just chatting and started chatting soccer started chatting Celtic started chatting Ireland and uh, and I found out he lived in Canada and 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 so our you know we would have this like 6 month long conversation piecemeal you know on text and, and direct message and stuff about all sorts of stuff and at a certain point there was a light bulb moment that Owen had that was like you know this might be fertile ground for for a documentary. I think the subject matter of stuff we're talking about is stuff that uh, might mean some to others, and um, and somehow just turned into this. You were talking earlier about you know I'm not that famous, the humble. We see that in the thing. We did a Q and A. I don't know years ago, maybe mm-hmm. ten years ago. Now yeah. we've done a few of them. I yes, think, but yes, we did we, have. we did one in particular, and there was a big audience there, and we were doing it before the movie for some reason. You had to leave, and uh, there's an audience person in the front who kept waving her hand around. She's like, oh, oh, oh. And uh, there was just something slightly off about her and yeah. I didn't go to her. I asked everyone. And finally, you being the nice guy that you are, said, oh, we should ask, uh, let's <laughs> ask her a question. And she puts something and goes, thank you very much for taking my question. I just have one question. Who are you? <laughs> it was the strangest, like, weirdest question ever, which I'm sure yep. that doesn't get asked anymore. No. My guest is I appreciated it. <laughs> my guest is studio, Jay Baruchel. It could have gone a very existential, like, who are you? Maybe that's yep. what she was asking. Oh, in the Camus sense. Yeah, in the Camus yeah, right, sense. Maybe right, that's right. what it is. I don't think it was. Jay Baruchel, the voice of Hiccup in How to Train Your Dragon. Are there going to be more? Yeah, we're, we. I've actually done my first uh, recording session for How to Train 
Slaying Dragon 3, and uh, I am in the process of doing um, recording the voice for the last season of the TV show. And the, the, the movies take a long time, right? So yeah. you say the first... Session. session. I yeah. mean, there could be dozens of sessions oh, yeah. over years. Right? Yeah, it's it's about three years each it's time. Really... And so what my workload usually amounts to is um, once every month and a half, two months, three months, uh, I will do about an hour and a half, two hours worth of work in the session um, in the booth with my director and repeat that process over the course of three years and then I go to Cannes and everyone loves this movie that I'm somehow a part of. It's funny. I did uh, a voiceover bit like that uh, and was directed, and it's way harder than you think it is. You found, yeah, yeah, man. I'm not an actor, though. That's a, that, I mean, that's part <laughs> of it, and it's very clear. But it's way harder than I thought it would be. Yeah, I know. It, I think it, it definitely stresses some people out. Yeah. Um, I think for me, uh, I, I don't know if it's because when I was 12 and I first started, my one of my first gigs as an actor was uh, dubbing. I would dub uh, French shows into English. Right. Now, usually it's the other way around. You, you, we don't do a ton of dubbing in English, um, but I did one cartoon and one live action. And that is a boot camp for yeah, voice yeah. recording. Uh, and so... I was like, yeah, for whatever reason, like my two hours of uh, my two years of eight hours a day in a booth uh, of like trying to get my mouth to move at the same time as this <laughs> random French kids. Uh, um, yeah, it saw me in good stead. It prepared me pretty good. Um, I love it. I love it. Um, people ask me if I have trouble doing scenes without other actors mm. and all. And do I, you know, and, and it's weird. It's, yes, it's obviously wonderful to have someone with you and to, to create and to, to share energy with. Um, that being said, when it's just me and the director, it's just us. Right. And there's something kind of neat and liberating about that. And you get to kind of what voice acting affords you. Um, because it's so sort of piecemeal, you just get to make, get a moment right. Right. You know, and you get to do just that moment again and again, and you get to try this inflection here, and, oh, let's make that land here, and you get to kind of craft it in a way. And so for me, it's it's the acting that's the closest to writing because, like, it's very sort of fix this sentence here. You can, you can, the, the, you can edit it as you're doing it a bit more. How do kids respond to you? Um, it's a weird one. It's... It's it's usually it's one of three. It's usually it's either <gasps> you know big sort of oh yeah. I know that voice. Yeah. Um, it's either it's that it's a parent telling their kid that's hiccup and looking up at me and just the sheer disappointment <laughs> and underwhelm. What is this? Is not I know I know hiccup. This is not what who who am I? What am I looking at? Um, or. They won't process it at all because right. they don't understand how a cartoon works. And right. so they'll be like, that's the guy that does the voice of Hiccup. And you might as well have just said, this is, yeah. you know, Shalman Rushdie. means about <laughs> as much to a three-year-old as, as that would. But the movies are very successful. We'll look forward to the Indeed. third one coming out. Thanks. So Celtic Soul. So we're yeah. in Ireland and you've got a female pirate as a, <laughs> yeah. as a long-lost relative. But you literally... We're, you know, just going knocking on doors saying, yeah. I think that my family yeah. may have lived around here. Do you know anyone? It was pretty, you know, it was pretty on, trippy. It's on your mother's side, right? That's You're right. The Irish yeah. Side. So I, I had been building my family tree on uh, on Ancestry.ca. It's, it's, they don't pay me anything or give me right. anything free. I pay on their website. So it's not like a plug plug, but right. that's what I, I've been building it for about, you know, close to a decade now. Huh. And um, oh, so it doesn't happen. All, I thought you would just. 
punch in Jay Baruchel, Boring oh, Montreal, and then goes, boop, 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 and it just figures it, it out. There's no? like a little bit of that. That's the commercial version, but right. it takes far more detective work. And uh, and and you get in, you, you'll get out of it what you put in. And right. so there's a lot of info I found on other sites that I then inputted into this right. uh, family tree. Uh, but basically, I had uh, taken lines of my mother's family back as far as the 1600s, and, um, and I was able to eventually find... Uh, the the boat, the name of the boat, the Bark Britannia that left Westport, Ireland in 1842 with my great times six or yeah. seven granddad, John, and his brother, Thomas, and that brought them over to Grosselle, Quebec, and then they eventually settled in Nova Scotia. And so once I had that ship manifest and knew where they came from, I was able to find the street that they lived on. And so, so I had, and I say it in the movie, I'd been on this street on Google Street View yeah, yeah. dozens of times. And, um, and so to be there sort of for real was a trip. It, it was an emotional for you, though. It, it, you can it see it in the film. It was. I was processing all kinds of things because I also, um, I'm a bit hokey. Like, I believe in genetic memory and I believe in uh, in reincarnation and I believe that we have connections to places. And whether it was all in my head or not, I felt incredibly, the, the, that walk felt incredibly familiar. Um, and of course the house that we lived in, uh, was gone. Yeah. Um, but the one right next to it was there and we knocked on the door and this and old man met the friendliest man in Ireland. The it seems friendliest like. <laughs> man, this man, Edwin, we said, sorry, we're here from Canada doing a documentary. Like what the hell does he know? Doesn't know us from Adam. It's 11 o'clock in the bloody morning. Like it's pissing rain out there. And he just says, oh no, fill him away, boys, fill him yeah. away. And then just gave us his time. And and by the way, that's that country in a nutshell. Yeah. That was my experience in Ireland, ca you know, encapsulated in one conversation, which was from the very first time I went there when I was 18, I, I've never met kinder strangers anywhere. Uh, maybe Glasgow. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're both places that yeah, if yeah. you wanted to, you know, get the crap kicked yeah, out yeah. of you, you could very easily. Uh, but if you're polite and kind and from away... They take you in and are free with their time and their compassion and their history. And and that moment with the old man, Edwin, uh, on his step, I, again, the movie in a nutshell, because it started out as this kind of sort of funny, quirky little moment of we knocked on the man's door yeah, yeah. and he came out and, oh, isn't this neat? And then it does this hard pivot organically into him saying how, you know, how many people used to live in Ireland versus how many live here now yeah. and and how the food was here and we just weren't allowed to eat it. And and that was our journey in a nutshell, that we thought, you know, it was all sort of sweetness and light and quirky and cute and we're cracking wise and always in this funny and swearing and all this. And then these moments of incredible weight would just sneak up on us and remind us that we were kind of doing something important to, to a certain degree. Those moments in the film, uh, it, the, the movie kind of strays away from just being about uh, soccer yeah. at that point, but it, it still, it managed to fit in because it feels like it's just about the experience. That's right. And because Celtic is a team that was born out of uh, immigration, mm -hmm. um, we found all of these these through lines that kept connecting. There's a the the sort of cultural and heritage um, uh, historic exchange, cultural exchange between Ireland, Scotland, and Canada um, is you know something that just 
was incredibly obvious mm-hmm. to us. Um, and I think, you know, as everyone comes to, to our country from elsewhere with uh, their cultures and their family histories on their back, um, it only makes our, our, our country stronger. And I think it's nice to be in touch with your roots because it kind of tells you who you are. Also interesting that we're discussing this with you because you have a, a major career in the United States and yet yes. don't live there and refuse to live there. Yeah. And uh, congratulations to you on that. Thanks. I know you're probably sick of talking Thanks. about this, but, but you know, you're sick Thanks, of talking Richard. about this, but, but you have uh, been a booster for Canada and okay. Canadian film. Uh, unlike, uh, I mean, anyone else, you could have gone years ago oh, yeah. and never looked back. Yeah, no, uh yeah, um, I was. I guess you know. I, I'm. It starts in my in in the family that I was raised in, where um, the brass ring was never outside of Canada in my right. family, and I don't know that that's the same for everyone. And I think for a lot of people, like up until World War II, you had to go to England to be someone here, and then you had to go to the States to be someone here after World War II. Well, in my family, and I and I suspect it's for different reasons that you know my family my. Granddad, my uncles, my cousins are, you know, uh, predominantly cops and soldiers right. uh, to a man and woman. And so, it, yeah, that like I said, we are, it was never the be-all and end-all to wait till you can get out of this country, you know. And in fact, quite the opposite. It was how can you serve this country because we're quite lucky to be born here. And if I grew up in any other country in the world, even English-speaking ones, uh, and I wanted to – work and create here, um, there would never be the question of how come. Right. Um, and and I also think that we are in a pendulum shift time in our country. I think the last generation had a shot and didn't do enough with it. And I think that we were sort of content to make sort of self-indulgent art for a long time. And there's always a place for that stuff. There's going always going to be a place for movies for film students. And I and I these are some of my favorite films. Yeah. But, you know, uh Dougie in Calgary is not going to see Kissed. He just yeah. isn't. Yeah. And so I think it's kind of an exciting time that if I can, with whatever face and name I have elsewhere, if I can get butts in the seats for stuff that's made here. Whatever I can do to help the next generation so that if they leave, it's because they feel like that's the opportunity for them, but it won't be because they feel obligated. My uh, mom's family are, are – we go back in Halifax mm-hmm. about 300 years. She's the second Quebecer in her family in centuries. Yeah. Ever. First, you know. And um, and I have a very specific moment, memory, in my, when I was about three or four years old and there was – pipes playing on the radio and my mom said to me she said do you, what do you think of that and i said that's that's beautiful and she said does it make you want to cry i said yeah she said you know why i said she goes that's that's because this is the music of your ancestors yeah. so there's something behind it there's something in it that uh, just speaks to you i certainly grew up with that being kind of the soundtrack to their yeah. life it's like it, it's just not an unusual sound no, that's for it. you yeah no. yeah yeah well, it's it's about a lot of stuff. I was going to say is. it's all about uh, the Celtic soccer, but it's not really. No, it's... we we sneak a bunch of stuff in there. I yeah. think you know, I, I, you know, I my my feeling about this movie is kind of what I felt about Goon, which is I think you know we want to give some people some something entertaining and mm-hmm. something fun and something pretty to look at, um, and if they care to be, 
they might get uh, surprised by how much they're moved. We like to sort of sneak some heart and some substance in there. And I think that, especially considering what Owen just said, where, um, you, you know, the context in which the word immigration is used mm-hmm. in any uh, media lately, uh, pretty much anywhere outside of Canada, um, is a negative one. And I think that this people maybe see this movie and they maybe look at the next batch of immigrants slightly differently, maybe see their grandparents this time. I just spent a week in New York, and everyone you talk to is, this is a topic. Yeah. Immigration, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? Yeah. What And, you know, some for, a lot against, random, nice people. You yeah. talk to them, they seem okay, and all of a and sudden... And it's amazing what a difference a generation mm-hmm. makes because these are the same people, a lot of whom whose parents or yeah. grandparents were treated quite poorly and faced exactly the same issues that they are now putting up, you know. And uh, and so it's nice to take stock, remind, remember where you came from, but also see that uh, th- these people coming here are literally following the same thing that your grandparents or great-grandparents or your parents did. I mean, President-elect Donald Trump's grandparents are, you know, mm-hmm. immigrants. So, I mean, that's... the. Uh, I should know this, but Goon, The Last of the Enforcers, did you direct that? I knew I you wrote it. I did. You directed it. I did, too. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. When did we see it? Because I know uh, yeah. posters are out already. Yeah, that's right. The trailer was dropped this week. That's right, yesterday, yeah. Um, uh, St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, uh, well, well, theaters across Canada. And, uh, yeah, glad's back, baby. We uh. um, we have a little teaser kind of trailer that came out yeah, yesterday that just kind of Gives people a little taste of what's to come, um, but uh, but just wait. And it's between now and then you're going to get to see some pretty cool stuff, and I am just so proud of that flick. I really, really think it's going to take heads off. Will you jump back and forth in, from behind to in front of the camera still, or will you slowly work back I, and I, only stay behind the camera? I, I'm working towards the latter. Really? Yeah, I, um, I'm very, very honored uh, by the gigs that I have yeah. and incredibly, incredibly grateful for the life uh, that acting gave me and my mom and my sister. Uh, but all I've ever, ever, ever wanted to do is to write and direct action movies and horror movies. And uh, and I'm now at a comfortable spot where that transition is kind of happening in a natural way. And, um, you know, for my money, I'm I'm Hiccup in the How to Train Your Dragon movies and TV show. I'm Josh Greenberg on Man Seeking Woman. Yeah. And uh, and that's that's it. And um, when each of those ends, that might be me hanging up my spurs. Is that right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Well, uh, because I would think that the opportunities for you to do the opposite, are, I mean, there must be scripts sent to you all the time. There, there are. And I think, like, the one sort of thing that people might get wrong about me is that the level of fame I have um, is like people say, how come you're not in more stuff or how come you're, when are you going to do more movies or whatever like I'm already terribly uncomfortable with the level of fame that I have whatever this is so I so it's um, yeah there, there are opportunities uh, you know and I'm very grateful to have them but I just uh, I, I think that my I have too many ideas that I'm in love with in my head and you know I hit the I'll be 35 in April it was like when I turned 30 all of a sudden there was this ticking clock for better or worse Um, 
I I have not enough time on this planet to do all the stuff that needs doing, and uh, and I I adore the career I've had, but but um but yeah, it's time to transition. Well, you told me once one of your favorite movies was Battle Royale. Yes, sir. I can't wait to see what you make. With keeping that in mind, Not a boy, I can't see where we're going from there. That's Jay Baruchel talking about Celtic Soul. Right now, if you're in the Toronto area, you can see it at what used to be called the Bloor Hot Docs Cinema. Now I think it's called the Ted Rogers Shrine to Documentary Filmmaking or something. I don't know. It's on Bloor Street. You'll be able to find it. After that, you'll be able to find it on VOD. Uh, it'll be all over the place. It'll be easy to find. Called Celtic Soul. Check it out. Uh, great to talk to Jay. Great to hear him talk about why he's chosen to stay in Canada and make movies like the one he's got coming out soon, Goon, Last of the Enforcers. Anyway, thanks to Jay for coming by. Thanks to you for coming by. You know, every week we put a new show up on the Monday. You never know who's going to stop by for a visit at the House of Crows. So make sure that you come back and make sure you tell your friends to stop by for a visit. We love having everyone. We welcome all with open arms. <laughs>